you are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On NFL, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski. I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the Podcast Network on Twitter at Locked On NFL Pods. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On NFL, your Monday Locked on NFL is the biggest stories with the local experts. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On to get 20% off your next order. And week 17 brought us the playoff picture. It brought us some weird storylines that we're going to talk about at length in this show today. And it, it is shaping up to be a truly fantastic Wildcard weekend, divisional round, whole playoffs, really just hard to express not only how maybe surprising it is that we made it all the way through this this COVID season, but that we could end up with a terrific playoffs as well. Green Bay, the Packers get the number one seed in the NFC. They take out the Chicago Bears 35-16, but the Bears manage to sneak in anyway because the Cardinals lost to the Rams 18-7. The Rams are the sixth seed. They will play the third-seeded Seattle Seahawks, who came back to beat the, the 49ers in what was certainly an uninspiring performance by them. The Saints will host the Chicago Bears in that 2-7 matchup in the AFC. The Browns will be in the playoffs for the first time in almost 20 years. They get the sixth seed by beating Pittsburgh, who played no one. And guess what? They get to play again. It's the 3-6 matchup, Pittsburgh hosting Cleveland. We know Kansas City is that number one seed. And with only one first round bye, that 2-3 didn't matter. That's why Pittsburgh didn't play any of their guys. You know who played their guys? The Buffalo Bills. They blew the doors off the Miami Dolphins, who needed to win the game to get in, and didn't matter. Buffalo absolutely handed it to them. The Bills win that one 56-26 and keep the Dolphins out of the playoffs. That's because Baltimore wins. They go to 11-5. They're going to play the four-seeded Tennessee Titans, who won the AFC South, a rematch of last year when the Titans knocked the Ravens out of the playoffs. And then the wild card Indianapolis Colts. They get the seven seed and they will take on the Buffalo Bills in that 2-7 matchup. And for my money, that is the most intriguing game of that AFC slate. I forgot to mention Washington, who won on Sunday night. And we are going to have plenty to talk about with that game. They are the fourth seed. They will play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a game that I think Washington can win because of what that pass rush can do. But we have to start with that Sunday night game because it was crazy. Twitter had a lot of thoughts. And so let's start there. Rarely after an NFL game am I speechless. I really don't know what just happened, what everyone just watched on Sunday night. Giants, players, fans, they were not pleased with what happened. The Philadelphia Eagles in prime time 
put on a display that has offended some people even. I mean, this, this is this is the length that we're going to here. It's really remarkable. You pull your starting quarterback in the second half and bring in your third stringer, Nate Sudfeld. And eventually, it really, it cost them the game. It gave Washington the division, cost the New York Giants a playoff berth. Joining me to talk about all of it, Gino Camilleri. And Gino, what was that? Philly, our, our mantra is no one likes us and we don't care. And frankly, that's what it came down to. Today. If you ever <laughs> listen to Doug Peterson, and that's that's the one thing I say with this Eagles organization is that Howie and Doug tend to say things that they really mean. And before this game, there was all intents and purposes to say that Doug Peterson was going to pull Jalen Hurts for Nate Sudfeld going into this game. And if you look at what Jalen Hurts did, he had a couple good drives, but Man, oh man, having less than 100 yards passing in that game, it's it just not fantastic what he did. But that was all of what Doug Peterson wanted to do. He sat Carson Wentz for a reason. He wanted to get Nate Sudfeld into that game. The organization, to an extent, I think, owed Nate a little respect for how long he has stuck around. And he really ne- he has never gotten his chance here in Philadelphia because going back to the Super Bowl run, there was talks that he could get in that game against Atlanta over Nick Foles, but we also how that played out. And Nate Sudfeld, before the season, they said, wanted a uh-huh. to go start somewhere. So at least give him a couple snaps. I totally understand that. In the grand scheme of things, when you look at what this game meant to the Philadelphia Eagles and the whole scope of the NFC East, if the Giants were relying on a 4-10-1 team to go out there and put them into the playoffs against a front <laughs> in Chase Young and all of those guys that you know are over there and Ron Rivera, who has gotten his unit up to play time and time again, if you're putting the onus on us, who a team that was without Fletcher Cox and Elshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson and our starting quarterback, Carson Wentz, and we go out there and pull Jalen Hurts in the third quarter, of course that was going to be the result of the game. And frankly, man, oh man, I- I'm happy how it turned out because I think you saw a little bit into what Jalen Hurts can do. There were a few nice throws to J.J. Arthago-Whiteside, a nice throw to, to Jalen Rager that you saw in there in this game you really weren't going to get a ton out of the whole evaluation Mm -hmm. process because you're starting a guy in Matt Pryor at left tackle who was your third right guard option before the season started. So here we are. I mean, what can you do with this team? You go out there and look at the Cleveland Browns a few years ago, that team that went winless. If you're going to hate on what the Philadelphia Eagles did tonight and not say anything about what Cleveland did those few years ago, or even what Pittsburgh did today, playing Mason Rudolph or Josh Dobbs, two guys that might not even be on the team next year, when you have a chance to get the second overall seed in the playoffs, I think that's much more meaningful than what happened in Philadelphia tonight. Because when it's all said and done, and the Philadelphia Eagles are able to pick Alabama's number six at number six and Devonta Smith, the future Heisman winner, I'm not really going to be too upset about it. Because in the grand scheme of things, You cannot get upset about giving your division (laughs) opponents an advantage to any extent because the basic rule of the NFL, and shout out to everybody in Buffalo, you got your playoff victory, but you draft to beat your division. You should always draft to beat your division, and the Eagles need some high-flying wide receivers because if you're going to think that you could keep up with Terry McLaurin or any of the Dallas wide receivers or what Joe Judge has going on in New York, you're just crazy. And that's just in the NFC East. 
I know you know what's going on in Green Bay right now, Pete. You have Devonta Adams and Aaron Rodgers who are having an MVP-esque right. season. That's what you need. There's only one team getting a bye now. If you think you're going to win the playoffs or win a Super Bowl at 8-8, eight and eight, you're outright crazy. Look at what happened in the past in the NFL. If you think this was a bad move by the Philadelphia Eagles, you truly aren't an Eagles fan. I know you wanted to see a good game tonight. I'm sad that they flexed this to Sunday night. This should have been a 1 o'clock afternoon game. Nobody would have been talking about it, and we would have been here having the same discussion, saying how happy we are that we lost this game and we have a chance to get a guy in. Hey, maybe we go out there and draft Trey Lance or Zach Wilson out of BYU. But we have a chance to to draft a generational talent in a wide receiver. This game was so meaningless. Ron Rivera has gotten his guys ready to go so many times in the grand scope of this season. Alex Smith had everything and the writing on the wall to have this season get him into the playoffs. For the Philadelphia Eagles, we're at a fall of Rome situation right now. We thought we were going to be building for a dynasty. We're sitting here talking about a full-on rebuild only three years after winning the Super Bowl. So if you look at the whole context of this, Pete, and everybody listening to this, This loss goes so much further than just pulling Jalen Hurts for Nate Sudfeld. There's maybe 15 to 20 guys that will be on this roster that played tonight two years from now. You have to figure out what your team is, figure out your identity, and move forward. And if this team wants to move forward with Doug Peterson, with Howie Roseman, and Jeffrey Lurie's plan, losing tonight's game was essential because that can completely change your franchise. Losing a draft pick over a meaningless game, to me, it's outright crazy if you're mad at this whole thing. I think you still got good evaluation out of Jalen Hurts for three quarters. You figured out what the guys on defense that wanted to play. I still think Boston Scott was a guy who came out there and played well. You learned about the depth of your offensive line, putting out 14 different combinations in 16 games. This whole season was a train wreck to an extent. But the year of 2020 as a whole... If you're not learning lessons from where you were in 2020, and especially Philadelphia, for the first time in three years or four years, we're not in the playoffs. This was a big look in the mirror for this team. And for the first time in a long time, it's clouded. And I'm sorry I went on this long rant, but this is what Philadelphia is right now. And we seriously have to figure out who we are. I've said it to Lou on our show. I just want to plan. I want to look in the mirror figure out who we are as a franchise because the Eagles as a franchise are well-respected. They're not one of these teams that just meddles in mediocrity for long. They only picked in the top 10 once in the past 20 years, and they did actually twice to trade up for Carson Wentz, but only under their own fruition have they picked once in the top five in the past 20 years. So here here we are again picking at number six. You should want to be picking at 26, 27, and 32. You want to be there because right now the Eagles are not in a – race to compete for the NFC, not even the NFC East, which was the worst division in football in so long. This season was needed. This is one of those things where the the drama of it, Mm -hmm. because it was on Sunday night, because it, it decided a division becomes heightened. But to your point, this was a four win team and a six win team. And the the only reason that we're having uh, this kind of discussion is because of what it meant for an absolutely garbage division. And I'm with you. It didn't bother me. It didn't offend me. I actually thought it was kind of funny. And look, your backups Mm -hmm. 
don't get many reps in practice. And so you you need these game moments to try and figure out what you have. Let's just rewind it quickly as we as we finish up this discussion, because before the games even started, reports came out that uh, Carson Wentz was not pleased with what's going on with the quarterback situation. It is uh, you know, funny that we end with this crazy quarterback controversy. What do you make of what's going on with Wentz and where where Philly is, where they need to get to with him this offseason? For the first time since we traded for Sam Bradford all those years ago when Chip Kelly thought that was a bright idea, I'm at a loss for what to do at the quarterback position because unless you're going to get me Justin yeah. Fields, which I, I don't think is going to be an option, I don't know how much better drafting Zach Wilson or Trey Lance at that pick will be. To me, in the NFL, we've seen time and time again, and I think you can go back through championship history and point out quarterbacks that you have won just with, not because of, not not these all-worldly performances like Nick Foles did in 2017. If you look back at the Trent Dilfers of the world, you can win with a solid defense and very good playmakers at the offensive position. Right now, I think with your cap situation being at $74 million over the cap, with the whole headache between Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, I just think it's time to unplug the gaming system. We all know when we played our N64s as kids, we would take out the cartridge and blow into it as many times as it took to get that game to work. And I think that's really where they are right now. (laughs) Because in the NFL, how many good quarterbacks are there? I mean, 15 to 20 at any given point. I still think Carson is at that point. Yeah, at At most. most. And when you look at the situations around the NFL, I I really think the NFL is a three-year cycle now. And look at Indianapolis. I think they're right in the mix of their three-year cycle. Or you look at Denver, they have good playmakers on the offensive position and and the defensive positions. And you could bring in a guy like Carson Wentz when you have all this cap space, give up a second-round pick, and put Philly in a situation where they can move forward. I think that's something that you have to take a look at. And man, oh man, I, I never thought we would be here. I named my dog after Carson Wentz. I, I never thought I would be in the situation for a guy who we thought was the next Aaron Rodgers, the, the next great QB in the NFL from what he did in 2017. The decline was so quick, and I, I just think you're at that point where you have seen it so many times. I think if you look at Andy Dalton in Cincinnati, for example, that you knew that it was over. And I think the Eagles are one of those teams that are more proactive than other teams, even though they were two and a half years late to fire Jim Schwartz, but they are more proactive at the position that matters. And that is the quarterback position. And they went out, Doug Peterson got off of that sinking ship, put Jalen Hurts in there and put them in a position to change the overall outlook of the NFC. And me and you had this conversation a few weeks ago, Pete, if the Eagles didn't go out there and beat New Orleans, Green Bay wouldn't have the first overall seed right now. So uh, to sit here and say what the Eagles did tonight Mm -hmm. was just an offense to the NFL, I think is outright wrong. In terms of what it meant to the Eagles moving forward, it was exactly what you had to do. And sometimes the wrong thing is the right thing. Because, man, oh man, if it comes to Devonta Smith or Jamar Chase at that sixth pick, I can tell you I'll be shouting from the mountaintops that we're going to have one of the better offenses in football next year because 
Doug and company can get it on track. Howie Roseman, if he can stick to his plan in drafting for us, athleticism, excuse me, and moving towards the future, this team isn't far off. Because look at the NFCs. They were terrible. Just get into the playoffs and you have a chance. We've seen that time and time again, especially with only one team getting a bye week. We're here. We're at the end of this 2020 season. And I think for once, the Eagles are clouded. And it's not one of the situations I've ever been used to. And I'm thinking back to that 2012 year when we fired Andy Reid. And it's a big cloud over the organization. But if you look at the great teams in the NFL, those teams that win several championships or have the quarterback and coach relationship, everybody's on the same page. This 2020 season, I think the Eagles had a mask on. They never really found their identity. And if you can't find your identity in the NFL – it's going to be a long, long season. And we saw that 4-11-1, that's not where I want to be as a Philadelphia Eagles fan. I never want to be here again. I want to be moving forward, onward to bigger and better things. Whatever that plan is, I just want Jeffrey Lurie and company to be on the same page, whether it's with Carson Wentz, whether if it's with Jalen Hurts, whether you make a franchise-changing move and move up to the top two and get a quarterback, so be it. Just give me something to look forward to because tonight – it was not an appetizing way to end the 2020 season. Well, I, pre- I appreciate this special recording of, <laughs> of Locked on Eagles, Gino. And uh, this was, no, it really was great. Uh, and and one, of the, one of the weirder Sundays, not just in Philly, but in the NFL uh, that I can remember. So I, I appreciate your insight. Yeah, thank you, Pete. And uh, we'll look forward to 2021. Good luck in the playoffs. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bet On. Line. We've still got a little bit of college football left. And of course, the NFL playoffs is the best time to get in on the gambling action. There's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today. This is awesome. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on to get a 50% welcome bonus just for putting money in your account. They will match up to 50 percent don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action don't forget to use the promo code locked on to get a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit maybe your team's not playing maybe you're a packers fan maybe you're a chiefs fan maybe you're a jaguars fan and you want to have a little extra skin in the game go to bet online your online sportsbook experts And betting on the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to Locked on Bets wherever you find podcasts brought to you by betonline.ag. The Rams punched their ticket to the postseason with an ugly 18-7 win. They rode John Wolford. The Wolford Wagon making his NFL debut as a starter. He threw for 231 and ran for another 56 as the Rams edged out the Arizona Cardinals. Joining me now from Locked On Rams, Sosa Cremendous. And Sosa, this game was uh, uh, not the best game that's ever been played. Uh, you had two backup quarterbacks for a lot of it. Kyler Murray in and out of the lineup. Uh, he, he came into this game, Gimpy. Is this one of those games that... It's great to get the win, but you, you kind of have to throw it out in terms of what we're going to see in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know how much you can really pull from this game. Uh, like you mentioned, 
you know, Kyler Murray comes into the game questionable and then gets knocked out really early in the game after the first series and then comes back in in the fourth quarter to try and, you know, sort of miracle. But uh, yeah, you know, the playoffs are going to be much tougher than Chris Streveler starting his first NFL game ever. And, and it was a weird one for the Rams, too. You know, they didn't have Cooper Cup. They didn't have Daryl Henderson. They didn't have Jared Goff for the first time in four years in his career. Uh, they didn't have Andrew Whitworth. So very strange game for both sides. Uh, you know, I, I thought you saw some good things from the Rams in terms of their offense being able to move the ball and the defense playing really well. But, yeah, I don't know how much stock you can put into this one. Well, if there is something, it is that in a must-win game, this defense, you know, even against a backup quarterback, was absolutely lights out. It's not like Arizona doesn't have playmakers, uh, guys that that can beat you if you let them, if you if you let your foot off the gas a little bit. Um, th- this Rams defense, I-, I think, as they go into the playoffs, would be the biggest reason why you f- would feel comfortable about them, you know, in a potential playoff game because this defense can make so many plays. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the defense is by far the best unit in terms of the positional group on the team. Uh, You looked at, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. He got targeted 10 times in this game. He only had four catches for 35 yards. And I believe two of those and about 20 of the yards came in garbage time. So, you know, two games of Jalen Ramsey essentially locking up arguably the best receiver in football, for sure, a top five receiver in football. Uh, And then you look at, you know, their ability to scheme pressure. They had four sacks in this game um they had another turnover a pick six from troy hill another turnover from jalen ramsey that and they're by far you know the reason that the rams are where they are right now they're arguably the best defense in football i think you could say that they are uh they are very good against the run they're very stout up there in terms of their defensive line very beefy guys they're very strong uh can reset the line of scrimmage and then the secondary is the best unit on the team and you know, you see guys like Jalen Ramsey, Darius Williams, the safeties, uh, Troy Hill, all stepping up every other week. Someone else is making impact play. And, uh, you know, Brandon Steely, the first time defensive coordinator is now getting buzz as a potential head coach. And it makes perfect sense because he has these guys playing absurdly well right now. And uh, he's played a major, major part in why the Rams are 10 and six right now and why they're going to be playing in wildcard weekend. Yeah, I don't think we've made enough about Sean McVay moving on from you know, arguably a Hall of Famer in Wade Phillips and bringing in, you know, someone like Brandon Staley, a 38-year-old um, who, at least to the casual fan, pretty unknown. The Rams now get uh, the the sixth seed. They will face a familiar foe in the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, we are not that far removed from what was an ugly performance against Seattle a week ago, the game Jared Goff got hurt. We think Goff at least has a chance to play uh, in, in wildcard weekend. So if he does, which of the two matchups do you think better illustrates what th- is likely to happen in, in this playoff matchup? It's going to be interesting to see. I, I think it's going to be probably closer to the first one, depending on, you know, if Jared Goff is healthy, if he can play, how healthy he is. Uh, can Cooper Cup go? Is Andrew Whitworth going to find his way back into the lineup? It sounds like Andrew Whitworth should be back. Um, Cooper Cup could very well be back. I think Goff's question, you know, his status is probably the biggest question mark of those guys. But again, you know, I might lean towards the Rams might actually be better with John Walker center. And I know that probably sounds crazy to a lot of people, but I just think his ability to create out of structure, uh, his ability to go through his progressions very quickly, his reads and his ability to just make plays with his legs. You've seen him create almost 60 yards on the ground in this past game against the Cardinals. So that's kind of free yardage and, and that's 
stuff that J, you know Jared Goff can't give you. And you look at the Rams' running game today. I mean, they were absolutely brutal, and they still found a way to move the ball. And Jared Goff, you know, as soon as the running game starts to falter, it all starts to kind of unwind for him. And and that's kind of what I worry about with Jared Goff. But you know, in terms of looking at this potential third matchup between the Rams and the Seahawks, the Seahawks are obviously playing much better on defense lately. You know, I think the Rams have very good defensive game plans when it comes to Russell Wilson and the Seahawks offense. So I expect it to be a relatively low scoring game like it has. Uh, But, you know, I'm still very curious as to see uh, who's going to start at quarterback for the Rams. And, you know, if it is Jared Goff, how healthy is he? And if it's John Wolford, you know, it's only going to be a second NFL start ever. So very, you know, scary environment to have to travel to Seattle for your first road playoff game ever, your second game ever as a quarterback. Uh, but I expect it to be a relatively low scoring game. I think it's going to be more of the same. A lot of, you know, strong defensive play, probably, you know, some relatively weak offensive play from both sides, probably some uh, potential turnovers, things like that. But yeah, I expect it to be a relatively low scoring game, similar to the last two. And, and it really just depends on who's going to be, you know, the quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams in this game. Yeah, it, it uh, is at least one more opportunity to see Jalen Ramsey versus DK Metcalf. And that reason alone would be worth the price of admission in this game. I can't wait. Sosa, I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me on. And it should be a great weekend next weekend for sure. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and they're adding new flavors all the time flavors like caramel brownie cookies and cream carrot cake and that's along with peanut butter mint brownie salted caramel double chocolate these things are impossibly delicious and when i say impossibly it's because not only are they delicious but they are still healthy low carb low sugar high protein high fiber right now go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on to get 20 percent off your next order it's promo code locked on for 20 percent off at builtbar.com It was the primetime matchup, uh, a decision that raised some eyebrows. And then Doug Peterson made some decisions that raised some eyebrows as well. But ultimately, the Washington professional football team is going to the playoffs. Chris, I'll just put it simply to you. When we were sitting here talking, uh, you know, a couple months ago about this team, Ron Rivera coming off, they get a win coming off cancer treatment. It, It seems pretty incredible that we would be here now talking about a playoff team. Yeah, Peter, at 7-9, and nine, I mean, uh, you know, look, you probably don't deserve it based on what you did over 16 games, right? But we've seen a couple of isolated cases of this. Ron Rivera's 2014 team in Carolina, one of them. Uh, of course, we all know what happened with Seattle way back when, uh, when they beat New Orleans in a similar situation. Yep. Uh, who knows what's going to happen next Saturday night? But the bottom line is, is this team did barely enough, just enough to climb this mountain. And, you know, listen, I... I, <laughs> I, I I mean, look, do I think they're better than the Giants? Slightly. Uh, You know, are they better than the rest of the garbage teams in this division? Sure. Uh, Are they worthy champions? Probably not. But you know what? I mean, the NFL says you got to win your division and you got to be the best of four teams, not the best of 32, not the best of 16. You've got to be the best of four teams. And that's what they were. And and if this if our standard is are they the best of the four teams, then they were worthy champions, right? Because that is the standard that we have here. Uh, I was watching this game, and I've watched this team all season. Uh, they are as fun a uh, pass rush 
as we have in the league, and they just have waves of guys that they can that they can throw out opposing quarterbacks. As we push forward here, thinking a little bit about what we could see in the playoffs, if you're going to construct a, a front to give Tom Brady problems, it looks a lot like this one. Yes, it does. There's no doubt about it. Um, I, I mean, Chase Young was unbelievable on, on, on Sunday night. Uh, now, listen, he's going up against a fourth string left tackle. Tampa Bay uh, is clearly better on the offensive line than Philadelphia. I, I mean, let's start there. But I mean, if they're able to consistently put pressure against an immobile quarterback. We saw how this game changed and where Washington really has struggled, Peter, all year long is the mobile quarterbacks. Everyone thought that would be a problem against Jalen Hurts. Everyone kind of knew. Everyone saw what happened. It was against Nate Sudfeld, obviously a very different story. It allows you to pin your ears back. You're largely one-dimensional. Philly doesn't like to run anyway. Uh, And Washington was able to kind of change the complexion of how they attacked. And that is going to be similar in terms of the immobile quarterback against Tom Brady. The difference, of course, will be, well, it's Tom Brady and not Nate Sudfeld. Yeah, and it turns out that's a pretty big difference. Chris, we're going to have a lot of time this week to preview that matchup, so I don't want to step on the shows coming up the rest of the week. I appreciate you coming on. And speaking of the rest of the week, Luke Braun and Ross Jackson with you tomorrow to get you set for Wild Card Weekend. We've got some divisional rematches, which is always great in the case of the the Rams and the Seahawks. It's the rubber match. You've got the rubber match with Pittsburgh and Cleveland, although Pittsburgh can say, hey, look, we didn't play our guys. You've got the rematch of last year's playoffs with the the. Titans and the Ravens, and of course, Frank Reich involved in a Bills-Colts game. Who knows what will happen? Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast network at Locked on NFL Pods. Subscribe wherever you find podcasts and always stay Locked on NFL.